Welcome to the Game Central Podcast, episode 138. I'm your co-host Gareth, I'm joined by Dave. Hello! Hello, this is your first episode of 2019, so Happy New Year! Thank you very much, Happy New Year to you. Um, yeah, and as you can tell, it's not too late, is it? No, no, it's not too late to say Happy New Year. I think we should say Happy New Year to every single person that you see for the first time in New Year, even if the first time you saw them was, say, in March. Yeah, yeah. When you say see Happy New Year. Father Christmas on New Year's Eve, like what? Happy New Year's New Year. Eve, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Yeah. You don't see him Christmas. on Christmas Day, Dave. Sometimes you do. What if he's late? Father Christmas is not late. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, just say Happy New Year. All right. Uh, <laughs> find all <laughs> our episodes, past, present, and future, on GameBanter.co.uk. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Game Banter, but no one ever talks to me, so that's cool. Uh, Dave, uh, yes. What did you get for Christmas? What did I get for Christmas? Yeah. Um, I got a little bit of money. Uh-huh. I got some clothes. Um, I got some new shoes from my darling wife because my dog ate my other pair. So I'm not sure if that was a present. I was excited for it, but then I realised actually I wouldn't have needed this present unless the dog didn't destroy my other ones. Well, I've told you on multiple occasions, Ace, that's what you get for buying yeah, exactly. made of bacon. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I just like the way it makes my feet smell. Good <laughs> oh, <my laughs> Um. Yeah, games-wise, we just bought... Um, Xbox did a flash sale on, um, like, indie titles, as they call them. Mm-hmm. So me and my brother, Michael, decided to hunt for some local or um, multiplayer co-op indie titles to play over the Christmas period. Um, and we found a couple and started playing them. And I'll be talking about one later. Ooh, so, nice. Well, nice. What did you get? What did you get? Uh, I also got some money... And the usual chocolates and like yeah. fucking links after shave. Do you know what? Proper disappointed in the chocolate this year. Like again, always generous. Yeah, but last year I got genuinely about twelve boxes of them um, celebrations. This time people went cookies. This year it's like they cookies? unanimously went. You know what? Foxes and Cadbury biscuits is the way to go. So again, enjoying the biscuits, but just not as good as a tin of roses. I only got about two tins. I was like, oh, there's some biscuits. Roses are the kind of thing that when you get them, you're like, uh, uh, okay, yeah. But when you don't get them, you're like, what the fuck? Precisely. What so, the something's fuck? Something's gone wrong. Where's my tin of celebrations? I purposely bought none because you <laughs> lot bought me 15 last year. <laughs> and now I've got no celebrations. I've, I, I had a celebration-free Christmas. Period, I, I got... Uh, I'm not even joking, right? I got a big tub of Haribo off someone. Of someone else, I got a thing of wine gums, and of someone else, I got a tub of Werther's Originals. Werther's Originals. Yeah. Jesus Christ! I didn't realise that you were (laughs) ninety. I mean, I like Werther's Originals. They remind me of my my great grandma. That's all well and good, but it's not. You open that up on Christmas, you don't know what fucking say. You don't know where to look. (laughs) Looking around, just like. 
am I getting old? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm 30 now, Dave. I did get actually. However, I did get a um a five kilogram bar of Cadbury Dairy Milk. Jesus. Which I'll was do. which was amazing. It took me eight weeks. Uh, actually, less than that, about six. <laughs> yeah, six weeks it took me to eat it. I finished it yesterday. That sounds fucking great. Uh, in terms of games, my mum actually did quite well this year. Um, she got me Detroit Become Human and Shadow nice. of the Colossus uh, Remaster for the PS4. Amazing. Yeah. Good really on my good. mum. Yeah, well done, mum. Well yeah. done, Mrs. Gareth. That's I'm her name. I'm not going to say yep. your full name. I'm not going <laughs> to... I just realised I could possibly just... No, I'm not, I'm not going to release your whole name. Uh, Cheers, mate. Oh. But yeah, it was good. It was good. Like I said, I'm still staring at my PlayStation 4 collection. But as I said off air, um, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting to finish Red Dead 2 before I, I plow into those single player games, and then I probably won't speak to anyone for about 15 weeks. Oh, <laughs> that's the best way. Uh, I just mm-hmm. heard downstairs my family get home, so if there's a lot of noise in the background. I apologise, but I'm a human who lives in a house, so you know, there's only so much I can do. Yeah, to be fair, to be fair, um, my my darling wife has taken the dog out, so if I do suddenly get attacked by my dog coming home, then again, I also apologise. Because you're wearing those bacon clothes, Dave. It's 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 because he's not in. So I went, <laughs> you know what? I might as well get out my bacon trousers as well, just to see, uh, just to sit in it and smell the ever ever-growing, you know, scent of bacon. Mm. Uh, I hope if you, uh, if you're farting them, you don't make them streaky bacon. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only pun I can think of. Right, this week, uh, week, this episode, (laughs) we've got uh, Did You Know, which will be facts uh, about games and co-hosts. Each other. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, We've also got some Really good one this week. Yeah, okay, don't tease the the facts because they're always they're always mediocre amazing. oh <laughs> uh, we also have the news which there is actually a decent little chunk of news even though it's been over Christmas oh. and New Year so not been a huge amount there's been some Good. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about games we've played which as Dave just alluded to is still uh, a lot of Red Dead 2 which will lead us into a discussion about realism in games Indeed. Has it gone too far? Has it? Uh, yeah, it has. We're all yeah, it has. Unanimously agreeing with that. Now. Uh-huh. Um, and then to finish it off, we'll be probably uh, calling each other paedophiles. That's what we usually oh, do on this yes. podcast, right? Yeah, it's something like along those lines. And then we uh, talk for about twenty minutes and then say goodbye. Yep, that's yep. the way we've done it for at least one hundred thirty-five of the past one hundred thirty-eight episodes. So. I see no reason it can't continue. Right, so let's get on to... Did you know? Again, another episode of Did You Know Gaming slash Electronic slash Co-Host Facts. Mm-hmm. Okay, my first one, when I scroll through countless Did You Know... Um, fact websites I only picked the best of the bunch and this one for pure nostalgia um, just caught my eye 
So, my did you know fact. Did you know, Gav, that the highly successful GoldenEye on the N64? I've heard of it. Or as it's also known, GoldenEye 007 for its full title. Was developed by a team who had never previously worked on any video games. What? 80% of the developers' total experience of video games was zero. So 80% of the development team never did, never touched the game developing, like, you know, anything. Hasn't even sat in an office. Didn't touch a computer game. How? How can that be Literally. This is what I was thinking. And there's a source. So it is true, because I read through it. <laughs> I was shocked. Okay. 80% of the people who worked on GoldenEye had never touched game development in their lives. And they released... It's either the 20% of people who did, uh, you know, had development experience, mm-hmm. um, were just, like, god-tier developers. <laughs> <laughs> or they were just really quick learners. Either way, how could a team of pretty much solely inexperienced developers produce a game so iconic and amazing like Goldeneye? That's a miracle. Because if you go into any other job, like if you go into a Burger King and only 20% of the employees know how to make a water. <laughs> exactly, you're fucked. You're fucked, mate. The wow. thing is, earlier, and it's on the N64, which which historically was one of the hardest consoles to program for because again it was in that era where 3D graphics wasn't really you know it was still developing wasn't it yeah. they came to bounds so they were breaking new ground <laughs> with this first person shooter and they had never done it ever <laughs> I don't think I could again, do that it's just getting it's ridiculous that, that, you know, all credit goes to whoever recruited that team. Yeah, I was about to say, all credit. Yeah. They're probably like owners of some ridiculous game developing company now, but you know, kudos. Yeah. What, 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 what's saying? What a game to put on your CV? Yep. First experience made golden our 007. What do you mean, first experience? Bollocks, you didn't make that. No, yeah, did. That's my first experience. <laughs> Surely they would have stayed on for Perfect Dark. No? Of course. Yeah, probably would have. Yeah. Still. It's a hell of a one-two okay. punch. Yeah. Nice. Good fact, Dave. That's a good fact. Yeah. Thank you. My fact is uh, not as modern as yours. Mm. Uh, my fact goes all the way back to 1993. Ooh! When, uh, oh, two. when Tetris yep. was taken up to the International Space Station and became the first video game ever played in space. <laughs> That's amazing! It was played on the Game Boy. Was the fir- oh, I was about to say, it definitely has to be on the Game Boy. Yep. Uh, the person who played it, I'm going to attempt to pronounce his name, but he's <laughs> Russian, so I apologise. Uh, Alexander A. Serebrov. Sounds good to me. Yep. And he auctioned the game uh, later on and sold it for $1,220. That's incredible. Yeah. <sighs> Tetris, first game played in space. Yeah, well, the, I mean, by humans, I don't know. Some squid yeah, exactly. somewhere playing fucking Yeah, exactly, Master yeah. Some co- yeah, the, the Cthulhu monster who, uh, you know, who who floats around Pluto is probably playing Fortnite. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> he invented Fortnite. He was just playtesting it, but that counts. Yeah, exactly. he, he did it in 1991, which was two years earlier than us. 
Yeah, precisely. And then he just sent it. It took so long to get to Pluto, from Pluto to Earth. So, by his standards, Fortnite is a really, really old game. Well, it takes a long time to program uh, eyeball crack into a game for children. <laughs> uh, I love that. You love eyeball crack? Well, yeah. It's... No, 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 no. I love the fact it's um, in the recent news saying that um, Fortnite, like people, like someone in America sent their six-year-old to rehab because he was addicted to Fortnite. I was like... Uh, this doesn't sound like Fortnite's a problem. It sounds like this parent is an over-exaggerated, like proper, proper over-exaggerated hype contract. <laughs> That's a parent problem. There's no, no, no I can't imagine what's about it. Mm. Would you send Do your you... dog to rehab if it likes Fortnite? Do? Um, I'd, I'd probably just sell it. <laughs> you know, and I love my dog, but if it started playing Fortnite, I'll be like, sorry, I've played in total 90 minutes of Fortnite and I just don't understand why people are addicted to it same just don't get it um shall I give you a little snippet fact before I go on to the fact about you uh yeah go on um it doesn't surprise me but it might surprise some people out there that um during GTA's history Rockstar's spent money more money promoting the game negatively then it has promoting it positively. What? What does that even mean? So what that means is, yeah, is that they've paid to get negative press about the GTA series rather than saying 10 out of 10 reviews. So for example, the hype on, this game's all about drugs. This game's all about, oh, it's 18 content, but they're selling it to normal kids, etc. Mm-hmm. That sort of negative press, Rockstar, actually pays for that to go out into the press they spend more money to get the game negatively represented because it sells more copies right. rather than getting it a 10 out of 10 review so they'll be leaking so these stories shock. to like newspapers yeah. that are like did you hear about this game that has all these prostitutes yeah. and drugs in it oh. yeah precisely did you know did, did you know that um, GTA 5 has actually um, allows you to actually become a pimp and to sell human beings as if you own them Oh, that's, yeah. that's disgusting. Oh, I want to play that. Yeah, precisely. So therefore, someone like the Daily Mail would write about it, shock horror, and then the normal people would just read about it and say, you know what, that sounds fucking great. <laughs> and then, yeah. So again, a little bit of a media bit for you there. Interesting. Right, audience member. <laughs> well, did no, you want me to respond? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking to the ether. I'm breaking the fourth wall. Oh shit! Uh, the did you know fact about my dear is Gareth. Okay, and this one, hundred percent true. Did you know that Gareth was the main inspiration for Geralt's or Geralt's, sorry, character design in the Witcher series? I thought we weren't going to talk about this, Dave. I just, I, I just thought, seeing as I've, you know, I, I've recently seen more news stories about The Witcher coming out, uh, you know, hyping it on the Netflix series, which mm-hmm. I still don't know if it's being confirmed or not. Yeah, that's mine. Henry uh, Cavill's playing me. I mean, uh, Geralt. Yeah. Uh, so I just thought, you know what? I heard this story and I thought I just had to tell the world. So um, I, I do have the, um, the name of the creator and I'm guessing, but I can't pronounce it, so I'm going to try again. Okay. You ready? So, where, where, whereabouts do you want to tell the story about when you met, um, is it Andrej? 
It is. Andrej Stavkowski? It is. Stavkowski? Uh, yeah. I, I was but a small boy when I mm -hmm. first met Andrej. Uh, obviously still very hairy because that's just yeah, the way I was born. As uh, previously discussed, because you were, you were born with an uh, unreasonable amount of hair. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I must have been about 9 or 10. It was a, a party. I don't know why he was there. It was like a family thing. And he couldn't stop staring at me, and I thought, that's a paedophile. My Mom, cousins. Mom was a paedophile. <laughs> um, she was like, no, that's just Andrej. He, he's very creative. And he walked over to me and said, I want to write about you. And I was like, that's What's weird. Your name? And he was like, not, not you, you, but you've really inspired me with your look. What's your name, boy? And I said, Gareth. And he said, Geralt. I said, yeah. no. Uh, on the end, and he was like, oh, it's hard to pronounce in my native tongue. So I'm just going to change it a little tiny bit. Because that avoids like copyright. You know, I can't sue him now because it's not even my name. Yeah, exactly. But he but sort if of anything, imagined what I would look like as a fully yeah. grown man. And to be fair, you know, we had a lot of stuff. I'm not. I don't have white hair, and I don't fight. He's changed a couple. He's changed a couple of features. But let's be honest, a scar over your eye. You yeah. know, the long hair and the long beard. The physical physique of uh, Geralt. You sit there and just go, it's just you. Yeah, he's just changed. He's just changed like small little bits. What's okay. weird is that um, I didn't actually have uh, that scar uh, at first. I was attacked uh, in the dark by a random individual. Um, <laughs> now I'm thinking about it, I may have an idea of who it was <laughs> when Geralt, mid days later, was revealed to have a yeah, scar exactly. above his eye. In the exact that, place my new wound was. Yeah, linking things now, aren't we? My life's a lie. But yeah, that's it. So, if you ever see uh, a Geralt-looking man in public, then you know it's Gareth from the Game Central podcast. So go say hi to him. No, don't do that. Okay. Oh God, no. <laughs> I have my earphones in. Do not talk to. Him. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd just reveal that um, that little bit of your life to the world. Okay. Well, more my fact about you, Dave, is that on a similar veil. Uh, yeah, I'm not the only one with a with a a history in entertainment. Because a lot of people might yeah. not know that you, Dave, were an mm -hmm. extra during the Battle of Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. I was. And while that would be interesting in of itself, you were the only extra to have played for both sides. You were an orc, and then in mm -hmm. a different scene a few minutes later, you actually also played a human. Exactly. Uh, you're so you know, casual cause... about it. That's like the coolest thing anyone would ever say about anyone else. But you're just like, yeah. That's it. What, what about what? Yeah. So yeah, because uh, because of my young complexion at the time, I was about 12 mm -hmm. when the Two Towers came out. So obviously, an orc was uh, was the easiest one they could do. Uh, they saw my acting prowess, um, obviously in a drama recital. Yeah. Uh, at school, uh, one of the people came in. You know, visitors come in. Oh, I work for the movie industry. No one really believed him. Yeah. He uh, he did like two, three hours at my school. Showed us a bit. Uh, you know, taught us a bit of you know the acting. Uh, we did little scenes with him, and then he just offered. He was just like, oh, we're filming. Would you want to come? Um, you know, show show the director your stuff. So I got to meet Peter Jackson, he loved me, he obviously said, you're going to be an orc, 
and then I did so good as an orc that he decided to put me as um, one of the human children escaping from Helm's Deep. Wow, there you go. Unbelievable. So, yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, I'm very hard to spot. I'm more, I'm, 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 I'm easy to spot as the orc, but obviously people won't recognise me, you know. Yeah. As a, as the human child, um, Aragon is just throwing us all out of Helm's Deep, so it's, it's, it's quite difficult to see me. But you'll spot me just over Aragon's shoulder uh, as I'm running. You can tell because I've got long, luscious locks. Oh. Well, there you go. Join your next rewatch. Yeah. Keep an eye out for Dave Ellery. Twice. Mm -hmm. Twice. Twice. Pretty sure I got killed by Gimli's axe as the orc. Nice. So, there we go. Thing. Okay, let's move on to the news. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> okay, Dave, we're in the news now. Right, give me the news. The news. Uh, so, I don't know if you're aware of PC goings on. I, how aware not are you usually. of PC stuff? Um, no, not massively. I'll be 100% honest with you. I think the last time I searched anything PC is because um, Oculus Rift was doing a sale, but I still didn't have enough money to buy one. Um, oh, buy you're, one. you're like you've lost a charity, Dave. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got to buy one and upgrade my PC at the same time. Yeah, it's a costly... It is a costly That's venture, yeah. but everyone keeps saying it's worth it because one, one of the ICT teachers that I work with bought one over the Christmas period and he said it honestly is the most addictive experience he's ever experienced in his life yeah I got to whip mine out uh, like a week or so ago for the first time <laughs> not on the bus like you did and got caught with <laughs> <laughs> last week we don't talk about that uh, and yeah it just reminded me of how amazing it is I don't want to imagine my life without some kind of virtual reality in it it's fucking yeah. awesome but anyway on the PC yeah, uh, there's always been Steam, which is the yep. marketplace where all games go. But recently, Epic have updated their launcher, which normally just launches Fortnite. Yeah, and they've added a store to it. And obviously, with Fortnite being the biggest game in the fucking world, the <laughs> yeah. store's actually getting a lot of traction to right. the point where the Division Two will now only launch on the Epic Game Store and not Steam. Oh wow! Which I think is a pretty big deal. That is a pretty big deal. Not, I mean, not you know, the Division One. It's not like it was a big success or yeah, anything. I was about to say it wasn't a smash hit. No, but this, you know, it's an Ubisoft game that's not coming to Steam, but is coming to Epic's launcher. Like, it's it's a pretty big uh, development. I think it's I think. like you said, it's quite ballsy. It's when um, oh, literally just to make a point about the two music ones. Mm -hmm. Um. Jay-Z's company went up against Spotify, didn't they? And Apple Music. Tidal? And it's quite, it? it is Tidal, that's it. Um, and it's quite ballsy to be like, you know what, I can do this too. And yeah. I think that's a big step to say, you know, usually, like you just said, it's like a launcher. But to say, actually, you know what, I'm going to go against the big dog. So now I've got a, a pure exclusive. Hopefully it actually draws people to it. Because I know that the Steam store is just full of early access crap titles and it just floods the store. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be a bit overwhelming. Yeah, it's like, it's quite difficult. Like Even, I think I used to, obviously when we used to do the deals, I used to go onto the Steam store, I used to just get inundated with all these 
shit games that are like advertised on the home page and you're just like sorry do you sell good games can i can i can i buy say jurassic park evolution on this uh is it is that possible and you've got to search for like the game that you want to buy you're like why is this not being advertised but like sniper ripoff 96 is on your home page yeah um, it, it's uh, you know, it it kind of is shit for users because now instead yeah. of all your games being on Steam, it's split over multiple things. You got ad friends on multiple different things, but because but I think Fortnite that's because it's so big, yeah. Just but I think that's also it. because, um, yeah, like you said, Fortnite is so big, um, which helps. But also, Steam hasn't been doing the best job at moderating their platform yeah so that does give way to alternatives because if people were super happy with steam then if an alternative shows up they'll be like and yeah because an alternative is showing up and because steam is doing a shit job at keeping people then people will start thinking oh maybe epic will do a better job yeah i mean you know ea have theirs with origin um yeah let's be honest it's ea no one trusts ea yeah you can also buy games directly through Ubisoft's one, um, but oh. this is the first Ubisoft game to be exclusively on the Epic Game Store. And I mean, you know, not a huge deal for the Division Two, but if they have a deal ongoing and say the next Assassin's Creed is exclusive also to the Epic one, yeah, then Steam are in an, ish- an yeah. issue where they're like, oh shit, now these popular games we- are actually going yeah, out. yeah, exactly. We've lost two popular titles. Um, yeah, that's where it will start becoming an issue. Yeah. But like you said, it's. I guess it is one of those things, is that if I bought or if I play games on the PC, it is almost like owning six or seven different consoles, and like you said, adding, adding people six or seven times to the right platform and opening up the correct launcher, it just, it just makes playing games a bit of a farce, doesn't it? It does, yeah. But I mean, you know. It's, it's unfortunately well. there's nothing we can do about it it's already started yeah. the money's being thrown Fortnite's massive success <laughs> is just shitting all over established yeah. shit on every platform now So, yeah. um, speaking of the Epic Game Store though Dave you may want to download it for yourself uh, because mm-hmm. from now until January 24th you can download uh, What Remains of Edith Finch for free which, as we know, is that game that got all those award nominations. Yes. This past year, so it's obviously a very good game that none of us have played. I don't think. Precisely. I don't, so. Yeah. I don't and yeah, I, I've been I've been watching on YouTube. Everyone's obviously been releasing their, um, you know, best games of 2018 lists, mm-hmm. and you know, games you must play from 2018 in 2019. And what remains of Edith Finch is on every one of those lists. <laughs> Well, now if you have a PC, you can get it for free. (laughs) What I would say is, what I used to do, um, so I used to have a laptop, as I'm sure most people did. It wasn't very Mm -hmm. good at playing games. Um, But there used to be stuff like, Portal 1 is now free on Steam. And I'd just download Steam on that laptop, make an account, and get these games. Every few months or so, I'd just get the game for free, even though I had no intention of playing on PC. And then a few years later, I got my gaming PC, and I already had, like, 20 games in Steam, just from these free things that I picked up. So if people are listening to this and you're like, oh, I've got a 
I've got an Xbox One. I don't want to get stuff on my PC. Just go download the Epic Launcher. It's not that big. Create an account. Get Edith Finch on there for free. And then forget about it. And then if you ever get into PC gaming years later, you've got What Remains of Edith Finch for free. And whatever free stuff they keep adding. Yeah, good point, actually. Similar thing to what we do on um, the Xbox. Regardless of what the Games for Gold is, yeah, I just click install. Exactly. And then stop the installation. So I've got that code always on my... I've got about... Genuinely, I've got nearly 400 games uh, in my library to install because that includes all the 360 releases that were free. That includes all the 360 releases that are currently free with the games of gold and then all the Xbox One releases which are continuously becoming free. And I was just like, I forget I have half of them. <laughs> <laughs> until a time comes mostly last year where I was just bored and I was just like oh let's see what games are here what I've had Far Cry 1, 2 and 3 that <laughs> 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 I've just been sitting in my library for for the best part of like two years and I've just completely forgot about them and you've just been playing um, Sherlock Holmes games <laughs> but then I just went no I just want to quick and easy game so I just downloaded six Sherlock Holmes games and just achievement hunted <laughs> well that is crazy um, yeah similar hold on a sec I don't want to uh, you know ruin the illusion for anyone but I'm on a bed right now so I'm going to lay down a sec uh, stretch my leg out because it was hurting <laughs> move this blanket out of the way I've nearly got my dick out so I need to be careful <laughs> uh, okay Alright, uh, I don't want to stick on the PCs too heavily, because I mm-hmm. have a PC. Uh, but Catherine, which is by Atlas, uh, is a game where the guy is having sex with two women at once, and then is a sheep in Cuba in his dreams. Catherine? Catherine, Catherine by who? Atlas. It's a very anime, very weird. Yes, with you now. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That game came to PC, just sort of appeared on PC one day, which yeah. is kind of cool. Because like, hi, I'm here now. Yeah, these console games that have previously never come may start coming up. You know, Persona. Those games have always been like PlayStation exclusives. Maybe they start popping yeah. up on PC, making a ton of money. Could be nice. Cool. I had to bring that up because of uh, uh, lack of other news, though. I'm not exactly excited about it. <laughs> but maybe someone out there is listening is like, what? Catherine's on PC? And then they go and get it. Woo! Gets that, it. Yep. Yeah. Pretty exciting. I've heard, yeah, I've heard that this game's really odd. It takes like a really crazy turn. Yeah, it's like a puzzle game, but with bits yeah. in between where you're like texting girls and having sex with them. I don't fucking know. Sounds a lot different to my like real life. Your, yeah, like your dream life. <laughs> <laughs> wait I get to eat pizza do a menial chore and then text girls and have sex with them okay yeah let's do that I mean yeah you, have you know any girls Dave <laughs> uh, no sadly not none, okay. none that would happily just you know sleep with men oh, pretty much I'm not a pimp this is what I'm saying I'm sorry I'm not a pimp oh you've not been playing enough Grand Theft Auto 5 <laughs> I hate no, you can become I've a pimp. Been enough GTA um, yeah, I heard as well. <laughs> Bungie have split with Activision. Ooh. Yeah. Activision bought Bungie a few years ago. Um, yeah. 
They put out Destiny. Made Destiny. Shat on Destiny 2. Yep. And then Bungie went, right, fuck this, we're off. We're going to buy back, I guess they bought back like the shares or whatever it is. Um, So now Bungie has no one to answer to. They can make the game they want. Activision, obviously the people who also own Blizzard, which is World of Warcraft, so they just like making a lot of money. They also own Call of Duty, so again, give us all the money. So I'm wondering if Destiny, without those people sort of telling the developers what to do, will start becoming a better game. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I mean. Maybe. Because Bungie can make good games, like Yeah, Bungie can make good games. Uh, so why um, haven't they? Why haven't they been doing that, Dave? I think it's. <sighs> See, I don't know because again, it's like the first live service, isn't it? Game mm-hmm. like uh, Destiny, where you get all the content or most of the content released, and then snippets of content coming your way every now and then, and it's repetitive and it and it's grindy unless you pay the money and get the you know, coins and then buy the guns. Um, you know, this sort of shit. Is that how it works? <laughs> no, but like, it doesn't, that's not how it works in, you know, that's not how it works in Destiny. What I'm saying is that, you know, it's the model which everyone has updated to become this, like, grind fest of right. online okay. play now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Bungie did it in a different way in regards to Destiny. None of it was paid for transactions. Every, everything was just all the DLC or all the stuff that you wanted. And I guess it's going to sound stupid, but all the stuff that you wanted to play was obviously gated behind the DLC. So <laughs> it sounds like I'm saying, ooh, they released good content and I didn't want to play, pay for it. It's, <laughs> you know, it's not that. It's saying is that the game felt incomplete so the bits that you wanted to play like the the next bit so say for example destiny 2 to finish the story you had to buy the season pass mm-hmm. like that doesn't that that's that feels cheap sure. it feels like you've 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 planned and designed and written a fully fledged story from beginning middle end you give us the beginning fantastic so you've read the first five chapters great if you want to read the next five chapters pay me 15 more pounds what oh yeah and then the last three chapters you've got to pay me another 15 pounds and you're like yeah but why you know because so the game in total destiny 2 cost me 120 pounds not 50 and you're wondering are you wondering if that's activision and not bungie yeah I'm wondering whether that's Activision going, I want all the money that ever exists, uh, or whether that's Bungie's take on it. Because it feels like, you know, for the for the bits that I played um, in regards to, like, so Destiny and Destiny 2, when you play on your own, and even in a group, obviously it gets better as a group, but, you know, the, the story missions were decent in, in Destiny 1, um, the world was good. Um, everything, like the the fighting and the gunplay, and even the online competition was good. Right. But the only thing that drew me away from it is the grindiness of the 
uh, side missions and the fact that you had to keep on grinding the same like events in the open world to get enough points as it were to uh, upgrade your weapons and these were the only things left to do unless you paid £15, got the new story missions, then you had something to do Right, and so that's what killed it for me. I went, no, I refuse to pay any more for this game. So hopefully, if Bungie's back on their own turf, if Bungie's doing things Bungie's way, hopefully they get rid of that grindiness and they start giving DLC because DLC is meant to be added content, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. not meant to be the the original content, but we want more money for it. <laughs> like, right. No, that's not DLC. The DLC isn't the story mode. The DLC is I've just completed the full story to its full conclusion and now here's an extra side story mission which adds to the, you know, which adds to the world of the game but doesn't, isn't the main story. <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, Grand Theft Auto does it, um, Graph of Auto 4, their DLC was um, the Ballad of the Gay Tony, wasn't it? Yeah. And yeah. The, the biker one. The Lost and called. Damned? Yes, the Lost and the Damned. Um, so those pieces of DLC were independent games, they felt like, where you were playing at as completely different characters to Nico mm-hmm. from Graph of Auto 4. So that's DLC. Without the DLC, you can still play Grand Theft Auto 4 and enjoy the fact that it's Grand Theft Auto 4. Um, but if you bought the DLC, you get a world-building experience and you get introduced to seven or eight other characters which do make cameos in Grand Theft Auto 5. Um, but without those, um, without that story, you don't miss out. You know, So it's added content. With Destiny 2, it was like, like I just said, you've done the first bit, there's more. Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah, but you need to pay me to complete the story missions. And that's where you just sit there and go, no, I refuse. So hopefully they get back to their roots, um, and hopefully it's as good as Halo 2. <laughs> Maybe Destiny 3 will be some, a, bit, a bit fresher. Yeah. Yes. I think what noticeably for me is that, like I said, Halo Two was like the pinnacle, and Halo Two and Three were like the pinnacle of online competition. Like that came out, or like uh, online, online PvP playing. So you had the likes of like Halo Two, Halo Three, Call of Duty Four, Call of Duty Black Ops, like where you had a very balanced system where player skill, rather than how much money you spent on a gun was kind of what made the game worth playing. Right. Um, but I'm scared that the modern PvP has just turned into um, an unbalanced mess because they want you to spend more money on content which makes you win, pretty much. Um, so hopefully they go back to their roots of having build on the Destiny PvP, um, which was good. Which, which which came from the Halo 2-esque um, team, you felt that it was from the same developers. So you went, this is fun, but the thing that made it worse was the fact that once 
once people found because in Destiny, once you find the gun in the campaign, you have that gun in the PvP. Mm-hmm. And what killed it was the people who paid for the DLC got the more powerful, better guns that they unlocked, obviously, through doing the story missions. But if you didn't pay for the DLC, then um, you didn't have a chance to unlock those guns, which means that you were already at a massive disadvantage when playing online. So pretty much the game boiled down to, unless you bought the season pass, this game is unplayable. Right. Like, you know, you will get left behind. And so, yeah, that's why it was so shit in the end. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, it would have been better for me to segue into this at the start, but I'm a terrible host. Uh, <laughs> HTC have unveiled the Vive Cosmos standalone VR headset. Oh, yes. Uh, which is their next version of the Vive. I think they already have something yes. out called like the Vive Pro as well, which they yeah. just put out. So. Bit of a weird announcement. But the Vive Cosmos is basically a VR headset that you can run from your PC, as you can now, or your mobile phone, um, that won't need any kind of, like, sensor towers. Yeah. Yeah, so the Vive works... Yeah, the Vive works that you need, like, a complete open space. You need enough room in each corner to put one of these towers in, and then it builds the world around that. Yeah. But I've seen a prototype of it, and they said it's ridiculously accurate that it maps the room extremely well from just being in a very static position mm-hmm. so they said it should be more accessible to a wider variety of rooms which is obviously positive it is yeah and i mean it's it's like VR's to... going in the right direction yeah. it is yeah <laughs> slowly but surely we're coming away from yeah. like what mine is now where you have to set up two sensors and then it's attached to the pc with a big bulky cable and you gotta be careful you don't trip over that cable or you break everything and (laughs) pounds broken and you already need a big beefy pc to play everything and uh just like such a huge amount of obstacles to jump over when you do jump over them you're like oh i'm so glad i did but um yeah all these new vr headsets coming out just seem to be making it easier and easier there's already the um oculus go which is just a headset and you have a bunch of apps in there um, but it can't do any of the special stuff. They're coming out with the Oculus Quest later this year, which is the headset and the controllers, and you can walk around a room as though um, you had all the setup, but it's all powered inside the headset, and that looks cool. Oh, that's cool. Um, the Vive yeah. Cosmos is kind of like that, except you can also run it off a PC. Um, For what? Better graphics? Yeah, yeah. So I assume there'll be yeah. some games... That will only work on the PC because you can have, you can play virtual reality off a mobile phone in it, but obviously that's going to limit what you can play, what you can't play. Um, so for me, the um, Oculus Quest sounds like the better package because that's you don't need yeah. any PC. It just it knows where your hands are because there's a bunch of sensors like inside the headset looking outwards. So like all you can do all the hand stuff. You can play like Robo Recall on it, which is one of the best experiences in gaming I've ever had. Um, whereas the Cosmos still requires either a phone or a PC to run. It doesn't have this. Yeah. You know, it's running itself. Obviously, the Quest, the Oculus Quest, will only be so powerful if all the computing power is just in the headset itself. 
Yeah. But um, from what I've seen, that looks to be the better. Like you said, that looks like the more accessible VR unit rather than... Yeah. If someone bought you uh, an Oculus Quest for Christmas this year, you could just put it on and be playing it in five minutes. If someone bought you a Vive Cosmos, you'd be like, okay... Is my phone okay. powerful Give enough me... to run these games? Is my PC <laughs> yeah, powerful know. enough? Uh, you still have all Give this stuff. I'll just buy all the stuff powerful enough to run my PC. Yeah, yeah. 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 So there's two separate so. philosophies, I guess. But maybe the Vive Cosmos. I don't know about the screen density and pixel density and all that stuff. Maybe the Vive Cosmos is better in that regard. It takes the biscuit. But it sounds to me like. Oculus are kind of going the Nintendo route where, you know, Nintendo's never going to have the most powerful console, but they're going to have these experiences that are just as good as what is on the more powerful consoles, you know? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And I think, like you said, it's a winning formula, isn't it? Let's focus on what it, what we're trying to sell. Like, graphics is never the selling point in my eyes. Like, it, well, it all depends on the experience. I yeah. think what I've been playing the PlayStation, you know, with the PlayStation 4, you sit there and go, um, these single-player experiences on the PlayStation are graphic... Like, they're graphical masterpieces, and they're very, like, scenery and landscape-heavy because they're trying to set the scene without explaining much, without, Mm -hmm. you know, just, just look. Just look how amazing everything looks. So graphics does pay more of a you know a, a large priority in those experiences but yeah. it's like you said something like the switch i remember having endless fun with just the me sports or the Wii sports and you sit there and go i'm literally uh, the graphics on this are you know prehistoric almost <laughs> like, shocking like, yeah when you look at like them as like graphics for fuck's sake like and i'm but the experience of my manual inputs is what makes it yeah. You know, so that's what I mean. If they can give you the VR experience with slightly reduced graphics, then people aren't going to care. No. Because the VR experience is what you're there for, you know. And I think, like you said, they'll, they'll probably eventually split into two marketplaces where you're like, do you care more about this ultra-realism or escapism, or do you care more about just experiencing VR and having fun? Yeah. Do you want to be able to take this headset out wherever you are in the world and just start playing VR without need for a PC near you or without need for your phone to be fully charged because it's going to run off the phone and all this shit, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, if they remove as many hurdles as possible, then VR becomes accessible, people buy it, and it gets more popular. You know, if you keep on, like you said, anchoring people down, if you keep on making your, uh, your product more and more niche then it's not going to survive. And, you know, that's it. Yep. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I will eventually buy one. Good. (laughs) I hope so. Because I want to hear you get excited about VR. Woo! Uh, Our final news story of this episode, uh, Resident Evil 2 remake demo. Yes. Hit two days ago for us, January 11th. Uh, It's a 30-minute long demo that you can only play once, which I think is a mint idea. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, if you die in the demo, it's months. over. The end. Yeah. If it's, it's fucking real time. You're shit. <laughs> you died in the first 15, was it, in the first five minutes of the game. Tough shit. You don't get to replay it. <laughs> Fuck off. Exactly. 
<laughs> Wait until full release. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would be able to play it twice because I could get it on PS4 and and uh, PC. But you know, that's yeah. just me. that's just me. I'm just one of the elite. You know what I mean? Exactly. Not everyone you is. You saw this coming. That's why. <laughs> Yeah. You saw this coming. That's why you've got so many consoles. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it's available now on PlayStation Four, uh, Windows, and Xbox. Uh, Windows, Steam. What am I talking about? It's on Steam. Uh, yeah, you get half an hour to complete it. Once you do, the demo ends. If you die before that, the, the demo ends. Uh, so, is it is it the full release, or as much as can be done? If you were to do a perfect run in half an hour, no. <laughs> that's how much they're releasing the game. Uh, the the or game is it, a, is it a level which I, you have half an hour to explore? I don't know, but the game comes out on January twenty fifth, so it's not that uh, yeah, far I guess away. So. Yeah. I imagine there's probably a good chunk of uh, the game actually in the demo though, because they got yeah. to account for people. Obviously, speedrunners who have played Resident yeah, Evil two a thousand yeah. times are going to know all the secrets and stuff. Yeah. I'm interested to see that. Actually, I might YouTube that after the show. See what fuck's going on. Yeah, might might see the speed run that completes the whole game in the demo within the half an hour time limit. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that would be brilliant. Uh, how amazing! Yeah. Just you... skipping all the cutscenes. Because <laughs> 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 <I> skip. <laughs> Is this something you'll give a try, Dave? Um, I am notoriously bad at um, Resident Evil. Um, but. To be fair, I played Resident Evil 4 and 5. Really liked them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I reckon this is one that I will consider. Probably after I've played all the PlayStation games and got through them all. And then it comes on like the PlayStation Store on one of their inevitably amazing sales. And then I'll probably pick it up then. But I'm going to be excited to watch like a Let's Play of someone who is good at the game play mm-hmm. it first. Yeah, like you know, that's what I kind of same with like say Five Nights at Freddy's. I've never played one, but I watched people who were good complete them mm-hmm. because it would frustrate me that I'm not that good. <laughs> right. What I'm curious to see is maybe someone will download the demo, not play it, complete the game when it comes out, and then replay the demo with all that knowledge. See how far you can actually get in the demo. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yes. Well, I won't yeah, give this a go because it's scary and I, I get scared. Well, that's how I think that's the, my, my main barrier as well, is that um, with Resident Evil 4, I played it with friends, so it felt less scary. Mm-hmm. With Resident Evil 5, it took more of a slapstick, like, you know, almost Quentin Tarantino-style gore-fest right. approach to the horror franchise. So it was less scary. But then, like, six took it to, like, an action adventure, and then seven went back to just pure scare the shit out of you. So, um, yeah, Resident Evil 2 was still in that scare the shit out of you genre. So I'm not sure if I'll be good at it. <laughs> well, you've got until, a massive wuss. got until January 25th, Dave. You've got plenty of time. Yeah, I'll figure it out. All right. That's no, it for well the news. We did it. Thank you very much. We did it. Hey. Hey everybody. Sorry this is so quiet and creepy, but it's uh, past midnight and people are asleep. You might even be able to hear snoring if you're 
very eagle-eared. Uh, this is just a gonna be a short video game music segment because this week's podcast is pretty long, uh, and I want to get it out before I go to bed. As I just said, it is past midnight, so I want to get it out pretty soon. Um, so this one is an interesting one. I found it uh, browsing YouTube. It's a performance of Snake Eater from Metal Gear Solid Three um, by the Boston Symphony Hall orchestra um it's pretty good not too long but considering it's such a cheesy uh, ridiculous song to hear it performed by a full orchestra is pretty fucking great so this is from metal gear solid 3 performed by a live orchestra snake eater So Dave, uh, this week, week, fucking hell, keep doing that. This episode, this week, this week. <laughs> we, put our, okay, we yeah. put our episodes every week. Yeah, uh, this episode, you wanted to talk about realism in games. Uh, yes, something you suggested. 
Uh, I'm not 100% sure where you're going to go with it, but I think, Phil, you just want to get something off your chest. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you do, do that. So my main, um, my main inspiration from this is just playing my two games this year, <laughs> or 2018, <laughs> that I actually managed to uh, play a fair bit of. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say fair bit of, one of these games is Fallout 76. Right. But it's the, it's, the, it's the thought of... And it's been in the media, games media for a while now, to say that real, like games inevitably will become more realistic. Sure. So we're talking about games like um, Detroit Become Human. Have you have you actually seen any gameplay of Detroit Become Human? I've seen, yeah, the graphics look really good. Yeah, so the graphics look really good, and it's like a movie, but then it forces you to do like ultra-realistic tasks. Yeah. Which end up becoming pointless. Like, so one of the one of the stories that you're a part of is that you're a handmaid for one of, for this disabled bloke, and they get you to like pretty much make his tea with controller inputs, like boil the kettle, pour the kettle, <laughs> stir it, and you have to do all these controller inputs, mm-hmm. and you sit there and go, is this gameplay or is this just me, you know, doing quick time events in a cutscene? Right. So that's like one aspect of it. But the main aspect that I feel where realism is killing the games isn't really graphical. It's not our games becoming too realistic in graphics. Like, is our games trying to become realistic to sell, you know, as a selling point? So in Red Dead Redemption 2, like I mentioned last episode, there are certain features in the game where they advertised oh that's super realistic right um for example the weather changes and your character will get cold or too hot depending on what he's wearing yeah okay the hunting like i explained in length is a three-part system is it in the correct area does it initially have a good pelt did you kill it with the correct weapon in the correct way once you killed it did you get it to the person correctly in the time limit that you have for it still to be perfect mm-hmm. now yes all these systems are endlessly perfect but my question being does this add to gameplay or does it just kill the fun I mean it killed my fun Red Dead Redemption 2 just straight up one of the most boring experiences I've ever had with any game mm-hmm. And that's because it started in a quote-unquote super realistic fashion. So like you said, is that the story mode to start with, you're riding horses in the snow, if I remember rightly, aren't you? Chatting for what seems like 20, 15, 20 minutes real time. (laughs) Like he's just giving you an unprecedented amount of discussion. And, you know information and exposition and you're sitting there and you're listening to it all thinking well I'm paying um, they're forcing me to pay attention to this because it's not a cutscene like you know this is meant to be realistic like this is and granted like you said if you think about it logically yes cowboys used to ride horses for endless amounts of time talking to each other that's realistic but is that the best way to get across your story is that the most interesting way no but it is a selling point to say there's a lot of things in this game which are really realistic right 
okay then. But what's the point in it? Okay. My, uh, if you're going to Fallout 76, so your guy uh, it gets hungry at periodic times. Okay, then that makes sense. Like, my guy is going to get hungry and is going to get thirsty. Uh, if I sprint, I'm more likely to become thirstier quicker. Right. Okay, that's realistic. That makes sense. But this is also in a world where there's a massive creature called a scorch beast which flies above my head and is a radioactive bat which I have to shoot with ray guns. So is that realism in keeping with the game's world? Right. That's what you're it's saying. the same. Does it? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if they're setting up. So for example, Farming Simulator 2017. It's a simulator. So I expect going into this game, everything in this game to be realistic. I expect my tractor to run out of petrol. I expect my uh, the things on my car, for example, tires, the correct soil, the correct seed. By the way, I'm just winging this. I haven't got a clue what you're doing farming simulator. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Is that I, I reckon, because it's a simulator game, I want all of these things to be accurate and realistic. Uh, same with, say, a Formula One game. Yeah. If I'm using, or a rally game, if I'm using snow tyres on a dirt track, I don't suppose that I'm going to get much traction. Um, I expect that in those games because it's really, you know, it's accepted within the world that the game has created. Um, it's an expectation which I have going into those games. Right. What I'm thinking is that those realistic aspects are kind of contradicted in games like Fallout, in games like Red Dead. So specifically, because I didn't play a lot of Fallout, I will be speaking primarily about Red Dead. Sure. Um, so in the game, like we just said, you've got realistic clothing issues, you've got realistic weather, you've got realistic animals and hunting um, you've got realistic things such as your horse needs to be taken care of, it needs to be fed, it needs resting, it needs brushing. Um, realistic in the amount of guns that you can carry at one time. So for a mission, you have two shoulders that you can carry guns on. So that means that you can carry a bow and arrow or two rifles. Um, and then you've got holsters for your pistols. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's realistic. Unlike in Grand Theft Auto V, where you can carry every every gun that you've ever had. Pull a rocket launcher out of wherever the fuck exactly. it was. Out of, out of my breast pocket, like in <laughs> Hitman. What are you doing? Oh, this is my sniper rifle. <laughs> um, okay. That makes sense. That's realistic. Um, however, this is the same world where if I get onto my horse... Or no, this is the same world, actually. Let's just take the person, for example. This is the same world where I can carry 400 bullets of each type of ammo for my pistol. Right. There are five types of ammo. So I can carry 2,000 bullets on my person for each gun that I have on me. But I can't. But I can't carry more than two rifles. Right. It's like picking and choosing. Precisely, it's picking and choosing. I can't carry 
more than two rifles on my person because that's realistic. Yet my horse can carry infinite amount of guns. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't carry more than two guns, but I can change clothes in an instant. I can just go onto my horse, select what outfit I want to wear out of my saved outfits, and instantaneously he will change. Right, and that makes okay. it frustrating when, like, for example, there's only room on the back of your horse for yes. one animal, but Precisely. then you can carry enough but, bullets but to kill every carry- troop in every <laughs> war that's ever existed. <laughs> exactly. This is my point, is that my issue is that I'm not saying that those features that I just mentioned are bad features. No, it would be fucking irritating, Gareth, if I had to, <laughs> if I could only carry 40 bullets on me, because that's how many pockets you've got. <laughs> you but that know? would at least no, make sense. That's not fun. That's annoying. Yeah. But it just highlights the fact that these realistic aspects of the game feel shoehorned in as like a press seller. Yeah. Is it adding anything to the game? Is it adding to my enjoyment? No. So therefore, all the things that I should be enjoying are actually a humongous chore. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it feels like they're just chores. But then everyone just goes, yeah, but they're really realistic. Okay, then, I would understand that argument if that realism was the whole world that they set up. Sure. Rockstar hasn't set up that world. Rockstar has set up a game world where you, where you can fast travel, where you can hold as many guns as you want, where you can, you know, battle an, uh, a forever spawning f- horde of policemen. Okay, because it's a game. Mm-hmm. They understand it's not a cowboy simulator. They understand that that's not what they've created. So I just don't understand why they keep shoehorning this realism in there. You know, it doesn't add anything for me to the games. Um, like I said, it just makes them really fucking annoying. Because something that I should be enjoying, like hunting, I'm not enjoying. Because there's too many realistic aspects to it for, to make it worthwhile. Like, you know, oh, you didn't use the correct bullet to kill that ox. So now it's going to run away. You go, great. That's annoying. But, you know, I can feed, I can drink a magic potion and run on my horse for, f- like, literally 40 hours. It can it can sprint for 48 hours without stopping. Okay. So you sit there and go, pick and choose. Pick and choose a side. There is no middle ground when it comes to realism, in my mind. It's I either, think that's fair. <laughs> yeah. It's either a simulation game, like, when it comes to the world building uh, realism. It's either a simulation game where you try to make everything as super realistic and accurate as possible, or you're leaning more towards the side of it's a fantasy gaming experience. So therefore, we shouldn't really put in these hyper-realistic things. Even the movement in Red Dead annoys me because the, your character moves in a realistic way. He mm-hmm. doesn't just you know stop straight away when he's been sprinting. He comes to a slow and gradual stop even that gets on my nerves sometimes like controlling the horse in smaller towns is like is like an impossibility yeah if i'm running on a horse through saint denis in red dead i am killing someone because because <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna veer off to the left run over four people then the cops are going to be shooting me um or someone's going to walk out in the middle of the road um, or a carriage is just going to come from nowhere and just T-bone me. Like, like it's just too busy. It's too hectic. Well, that's um, another aspect, isn't it? Like AI yeah. realism has been a holy yeah. grail for games for years now. 
Yeah. And it feels like we're nowhere fucking near. Why wouldn't somebody hear a horse coming fucking dive yes. out of the way? Thank Why you. would the horse not try and Why stop if it saw a person in front of it or Not swerve? Like, Why does my horse respond to a snake in the grass because it's an enemy? I didn't even see the fucking snake and it bucked me off. Right. Okay. Because it's scared. Yes, that's realistic. The horse gets scared. It bucks you off. That makes sense. But the horse doesn't see a person or a carriage steaming towards you and veer out the way. No, it just steams towards it. It just runs at it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't give a shit. So like I said, it even needs to be, I'm okay with it kind of virgin or there being realistic aspects. So realistic movement, realistic fighting. But unless it adds to the gaming experience, does it need to be there? Because in my opinion, the hunting simulation is a simulation. That's too realistic. It doesn't make sense in the world of a dead redemption. Carrying enough ammo, like you just said, to kill every single nation of army is fine, but I can only carry two pistols mm-hmm. or two like rifles. Like um, You're saying to me that I need to change clothes because it's got a bit colder. I can change clothes in an instant, but my horse doesn't run away from danger unless it's a fucking snake <laughs> like it just doesn't make sense there needs to be there needs to be uh, more concentration into is this actually going to add anything to the game or is it going to be is it just going to be a hindrance at all yeah um, yeah I think I can name a couple more in regards to uh, like realism but I think you get my point uh, yeah, you, you've sold your yeah. point pretty well. I think yeah. realism in graphics is great. Realism in AI is something we have been striving towards for years, and we're—you would imagine—we're getting closer, but I don't fucking know. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, we're playing game. We're literally playing games. Yeah. Right? I appreciate some games don't have to be these, you know. 100% pure gameplay experiences. They can be narrative. They can be like, what remains of Edith Finch sounds like a really narrative experience. It's not going to be yep. a huge amount of gameplay in it. But, like, I don't know. Everything about Red Redemption 2 just got on my fucking wick instantly. And I can't really mm. put into words why. No, but I understand. Is that I had the, and I said this as, like, now that I'm in the end game as it were mm-hmm. um, I'm really happy I stuck with it right. but when I first started playing it I just had this unbearable um, disappointment in the first no joke the first two chapters okay. of the game I was just like is this it is, is this the game because I'm not impressed it's an extreme slow burn and like you start getting into the game you start once you start working out the quirks I think it's little things like the gun mechanics in Red Dead that's realism but it adds something to the game Um, like you found it annoying and I found it annoying when I started but once you realise that you're kind of cocking the gun as if it were as if you were you know shooting you know you're reloading the repeater you're like swinging the barrel on your revolver um those sorts of things once you get used to it you can start using it to your advantage and the combat becomes a bit more precise um which i get but like you said it's 
if it doesn't grab you from the first instance, if it's such a slow burn because uh, because all you're doing is riding a horse through the snow and someone's chatting at you for like the first two chapters, then yeah. that's not entertaining. Yeah, but that's realistic. Yeah, but it's not entertaining. Like you just said, we're here to play games for fuck's sake. Entertain me. <laughs> yeah, well, the opening to Grand Theft Auto Five, you know, you're robbing a bank. Yeah, it's it's a really sort of intense and fun opening. You're learning about the characters while you're playing the game and learning the systems. Whereas in Red Dead, you're learning about the characters, I guess, while you hold up on a joystick and it's blurry, yeah. it's snowing, so you can't see anything, and there's nothing else to do. And the the guy talking to you is talking about stuff you don't have any idea about. You've got no context of it yet. And actually, if I'm honest, you still don't have context. Right. Um, even in the late stages, you sit there and go, I've forgotten what happened in the first two chapters. And it just makes it sound like, yeah, but it's just it's just to build the whole ethos of this gang's been together for ages. Yeah, but the shit they're talking about is more interesting than what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> which doesn't... Which just makes me jealous that I wasn't playing this game at least like two days ago right. like in game does that make sense so, so if they if they started the game uh, when you were doing the heist that went wrong which caused them to run to the snowy mountains mm-hmm. then that would be the opening yeah uh, sure that you wanted okay that would be the opening that you wanted but we are already at the point where they've done the fun stuff and now here comes the running away boring stuff right but it feels like you've already missed the fun stuff. And it takes two chapters to get onto the next fun bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like it, if anyone but Rockstar tried to open a game this way, they'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? This is for, what, an, yeah. what a stupid idea. You'd, yeah. All you're doing is talking about the exciting stuff you just did in the boring two, three hours of your game. And like yeah. there is a, you go to heist a train in that first three hours, but it's like, it's really dull. But even the train heist was dull because there's only two people that you shoot on the train and then you spend the rest of it pointing a gun at someone and they just give you 55 cents. And you're like, oh. This should feel exciting. This should, but it, robbing people is actually really boring. <laughs> 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 and this is why people, like I've seen it, like top 10 things that people uh, has to, have to do but haven't done or rarely do in Red Dead Redemption 2 and like number 2 is like rob a train at any point you can jump onto a train and rob it you went yeah but it's really boring yeah. and you get like a hundred dollars from it like I'd, I'd rather just do a bounty mission or a story mission and get paid the exact same it, yeah. it doesn't add anything to it um, I'm sure they recorded a lot of audio of the voice actor going, oh, this is a train robbery. Well, I'm yeah. taking all your shit, ma'am. Oh, don't worry, nobody's going to get hurt. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sure you recorded a lot of audio for it, Rockstar. But fuck off. Yeah, but that's it. It's just not something that, like you said, is interesting. It's not something that adds to the game. Um, and the realism, if anything, has kind of stopped me from doing it. Like the parts of the missions or the hunting, which I've enjoyed are the bits that take away the aspect of the pelt, of the perfect pelt. So the legendary hunts, you track the animal through its scent, you use the correct correct gun, sorry, to um, get a clean kill. If you don't use the correct gun, 
it just takes longer to kill and there's more chances that it'll run away okay so there's more of a you know an earnest thing of you know I'll get a clean kill if I was you um, because it's easier mm-hmm. but that adds enjoyment so I've got the I've tracked the animal down it gives you a random area to start and then you spend about five five six minutes following this trail to get to it like you sneak up to it shoot it bow and arrow it you know throw a poison knife at it it's creative and it's also it feels like a mini game um and i like that because it doesn't matter how if i don't have the gun necessarily it just means it might be harder for me to kill it so i can kill every one of these legendary animals with a revolver if i wanted to it will just take longer so you know those two aspects you've got to track the animal you've got to kill it with the correct gun that's all the mini game needs yeah you know you don't need to add the extra two realism parts of the game like oh but it will go moldy on the back of your horse <laughs> okay yeah that is realistic but in game it's just fucking annoying yeah because if that's a way that I'm making money then I get paid significantly less for a moldy piece of skin than I would do for oh, a perfect God. piece of skin um, so yeah like you said it just becomes grindy and I just don't think it adds anything to the game I do the legendary hunting and the legendary fishing legendary fishing the, the legendary fishing actually is a lot like Zelda um, oh, you catch the Hylian loach yeah so you go to a specific spot you have specific bait you throw it in and then you literally wrestle with these gargantuan fish sometimes and it is difficult and entertaining and fun and you sit there and go uh, that's a mini game that's mm-hmm. something which I would go and do if you say to someone oh go and hunt um, four rabbits and get perfect pelts um, to make some really nice gloves you're like yeah okay I'll do that and then you end up doing that and obviously because these clothes are made out of fur they're really hot so right. if I wear all my cool gear Gareth my character then gets too hot and then dehydrates and then wants to take his clothes off and ends up moaning that it's too warm on a incessantly annoying level. And you go, great. Fuck so now I just, I've literally now just spent like two, three hours trying to get everything for this outfit, but it's not cold enough for me to wear it, so I'll never fucking wear it. So now all your unlockables are pointless. Because guess when this game is played? That's right, in the height of summer in the south of America. <laughs> so guess what? It never fucking gets cold. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, so I just found that all of the unlockables, like, there's nothing that um, drives me to unlock it. There's nothing that drives me to hunt. There's nothing that drives me... Well, no, no to hunt successfully. I hunt for food, but I quite literally just see a deer, shoot it with a shotgun, take its meat and leave its pelt. Right. <laughs> I'm just like that's fucking pointless I just wanted it for meat I cook the meat I eat the meat and therefore I don't starve and you sit there and go right that's fine <laughs> but I just don't see the point in the hunting minigame as a as a premise because they've made it too realistic and I think little things like that I'm scared that things like that are going to creep into modern games I'm scared that these open worlds are going to have these realistic aspects creeping in and like I said there's difference between realistic graphics 
and that adding to the experience of the game yeah. and realistic motion and realistic like um, well that's not what would happen in the real world I think the real world and the game world are extremely different places and like you said um, in Grand Theft Auto 5 as a perfect example they open the game which is what is with everything that is quote unquote realistic in Grand Theft Auto 5's world Mm-hmm. so it's completely realistic that the, the, the cops can spawn from anywhere it's completely realistic that you'll skid around and you know no one will bat an eyelid uh, it's completely realistic that someone will be shooting out of a window and only the cops will notice yeah. that's fine because it 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 tells you that at the very start of the game like it's completely realistic that when Trevor has a trip and you go on one of those uh, rage mini games that once you exit that mini game, it was just a lucid fantasy dream, yeah. and it wasn't actually realistic. That's fine, because the game told you that that's realistic within the game. What what's wrong with Red Dead Redemption Two is that it's a mixed message. You're telling me on one hand that it's fine for me to carry five thousand ammo and to change instantaneously into um, what's the name into any outfit. It's fine for me to fast travel from one point to the other. Uh, when it suits you but it's not okay for me to carry two more than two rifles it just it's it's a mixed message and i think that's what needs to be fixed but yeah like i said i think games do it well but i just think i'm I'm worried that modern games will continuously miss the mark and then we're going to get these mixed matched uh games and mini games within open world games which is just going to kill it really yeah well you know what Dave I'm going to do something we never do I'm going to ask our listeners to get in touch and tell us about uh, things they've noticed in games where it's like why is this John from Scotland (laughs) maybe who knows if John is listening (laughs) I would love to hear from him Uh, so tweet at game banter we'll see if we get any responses times in video games where the realism Felt out Just of place got for too you. Much or felt out of place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll see what we get. Yeah, looking forward to it. Mm. Right, should we talk about some games that we've been playing, Gareth? Shall we? I tell you what, Dave. Let's talk about some games we've been playing. Yes. Dave. Yes. Let me talk to you about Earth Defense Force 5. Earth Defense Force 5. I'm yes. just going to Google that. It's a game in which you shoot giant insects uh, with rocket launchers and guns that shoot lightning and you oh my God, attack them with giant mechs or you uh, hit them with a huge sword. Um, and you just fight off hordes and hordes of giant insects. Uh, they've been making these games for many years now. The first one I played was EDF 2017 for the Xbox 360. Wow. Um, and what's great about these games is they're Actually, always... I've heard about these games, and I've seen these games. I've never played or picked one up. Oh, mate. Is there a massive frog with a lightsaber? Uh, 
There are, yeah, so in this new one, they've added big frogs. Um, you shoot limbs off them and they keep coming. So if you shoot like a frog's legs off, it'll just crawl towards you <laughs> God, on the ground with his gun still out. Uh, it's pretty awesome. But these games are basically always exactly the same. Uh, the graphics yeah. in them haven't really changed in about 10 years. It looks a bit like um, Dynasty Warriors. Is yeah. it on like a similar graphical level? Yeah, it's got a similar appeal, except this sort of... Um, if I could t- sell the game to you in three points, I would say giant insects, destroy everything, and explosions that fill the screen. Um, <laughs> like, the scale in this game is insane. There'll be stuff that like looks a certain distance away and you're like fire a rocket at it and it just keep the rocket just keeps going, keeps going, keeps and hits it like ten times further away than you thought it was, and then it'll come up close and it'll just keep getting bigger and bigger. And you're like, Oh fuck! Oh no <laughs> Shit Shit <laughs> That's what these games have always done. They play with scale in a way that means they have to keep the graphics looking shit. If they had like yeah. incredible graphics, there's no way they'd be able to fit the amount of stuff on screen they did. Yeah. Um, and even now, even keeping the graphics if I'm being frank, pretty dog shit. Um, even on like a PlayStation 4 Pro, uh, the game will like freeze for like a second when you do a huge explosion and there's too many insects on screen. The game feels like it can barely contain itself and it's going to break any second. It's fucking great. And I fucking love them all. And EDF5 is uh, carrying on the grand tradition of Earth Defense Force games that I love. Um, this one... so. Previously, they've added more classes, so there's always been like the basic ranger class, which yeah. has more realistic weapons that have like sniper rifles and rocket launchers and stuff. They've added more classes, so there's a class called the air raider, which is like a support class, which will heal you and make stuff lock on to certain enemies quicker and stuff like that. There's the air raider, which flies, and all its weapons are more sort of energy based, so it'll fire like balls of plasma and shoot electricity out of weapons and stuff and then yeah. there's a defenser which is like a slow more tanky guy who has really powerful explosives and he's like really slow and lumbering yeah. they introduced those in the last game um, and in this game they have all those same classes except now they've added a different type of thing you can equip um, which kind of enhances what your character can do so for example the fencer was always massive and slow, and he couldn't really move very quickly at all. But his power over, like, that's the reason why you chose him. Yeah, because his weapons, yeah. he'll, like, fire mortars that'll kill, like, 50 ants at once. Yeah. But now in this game, there'll be certain things you can equip where, like, if you have a certain weapon out, you can do, like, a boost jump. So, like, its secondary fire will be you just do, like, a boost jump boost a jump in the air you go really high in the air you can equip things where instead of doing one of those you can do like three in a row oh wow so now instead of being the slow lumbering guy who can occasionally do a really big jump now you can like you're the big lumbering guy but when you do that jump you can now do two extra so now you're actually really mobile so now if you want to play that character that way you can like unequip some armor and give it this thing that makes it feel more mobile and that means weapons choices are changed because now if you're up in the air more you might want to use more mortars because you can fire them downwards uh, cover more area and be more accurate with them um, 
like I said, the explosions are pretty crazy and huge. So, you know, if you accidentally fire a mortar too close to yourself, you're going to kill yourself. Yeah. Um, so the cost, so the, what's the name? The player sets are more customization, like more customizable. Fucking speak English. <laughs> customizable. Yeah. You could always equip yeah, different cool. weapons. You could always equip at least two weapons, depending on your class. And it was just like, oh, I'll have an explosive weapon and a sniper rifle. And like, yeah, it was that. But now you can equip a third thing, which will be like sort of a, now I choose my character will have more ammo in each clip, but I will yeah. not be as mobile or something like that. Yeah. So for example, the flying guy, you can have like, okay, I'll recover energy really quickly, but I'll have less total energy. Yeah. Or my character will move faster, but I won't recover energy as fast. So, like, I'm better at getting away from things quickly, but when I get away from them, I'll have to wait longer. I'll have to wait at that distance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, th- it's just, it sounds like basic shit every other game's been doing for the past 10 years. Yeah. Because <laughs> Earth Defense Force is such, like, a throwback. When they include it, it's like an enormous change, yeah. which. It literally blows your mind. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Whoa! Yeah, this this was happening way. This was happening about ten years ago. <laughs> like we shouldn't be amazed at this. Yeah, yeah. I've heard there's like 110 levels. Um, me and my friend are only up to like level 30. Yeah. Um, and we're only playing hard mode, and we're all, we've already got loads of stuff where we're like, oh shit! Now I could equip this. I can do three boost jumps in a row. That feels amazing. This is like a completely different game for me now. Like we yeah. know there's still like two more difficulty levels above this and 80 more levels to play and then obviously we want to complete each of those levels and each of the difficulties so like there's just I don't know why these games aren't more successful than they are this one actually seems to be gaining a bit more traction a lot of websites are reporting like oh this is the game I'm just playing while I wait for all the other stuff to come out but I'm actually really enjoying it um so it is getting yeah. a, a few more people more interested, but I do believe it's only a PlayStation exclusive at the moment, Dave. Yeah, so, I was about to say, all yeah. of my online friends are on the Xbox, and I'm yes. a bit upset. Because I actually downright refuse to pay an extra £30 a year for a PlayStation Pass <laughs> when I know two, three, four people on it. I think I was that's just like, yeah, I'm I think not going to do that. Um, so that's the main thing I'm excited to play. I can only play it co-op with my friend though and he's only available like a few days a week and sometimes they don't sync up so but I'm going to be playing that for a long time and I'm very excited to play more Uh, Bloodborne is a game I've started I did not like it at first it doesn't feel like a game that I'd enjoy I'm I'm quite impatient when it comes to um, progression yeah uh, primarily and you're right like again going back to Red Dead if it wasn't a Rockstar game, if it wasn't the second Red Dead Redemption, I probably would have given up like you did. I would have just gone, <laughs> fuck this. Uh, so uh, a Dark Souls-esque, Bloodborne-esque sort of game probably would really piss me off because it's it's a, it's the definition of a slow burn. Yeah. Um, but again, that's something that you expect going in. That's true. I've, I've completed Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. I'm by no means like a newbie to this formula, but... This one just doesn't feel as um, well designed to me. Okay. Um, like so, for example, in the original Dark Souls, you get through the tutorial bit and you come out into this area. You have loads of choices in which direction you want to go, and 
everything feels it feels like a new world you like can't wait to explore whereas Bloodborne it feels like every direction you go in there's just nothing it's not leading anywhere and then yeah it's in like such a small area like you're in a like a, a town basically and you feel very confined and like there's not that much to see and do and it just yeah. doesn't feel as interesting as a Dark Souls game um, that's changed a little bit I so I played it like over Christmas didn't get very far and thought this doesn't feel as great sat it down came back to it a few weeks later got a little bit further and just unlocked a few more shortcuts and I'm like more interested but it got to the point where I fought a boss for the first time yeah. and I was like Ugh, the fucking bosses in these games are always the worst bit of these games and it just yeah. sort of I'm not sure how excited I am to play it again but talking about it made a friend of mine who I've played the other Dark Souls with get really interested because he, he and I uh, didn't realise how similar to a Dark Souls game it is it's like it is a Dark Souls game it's the, got the same controls all the menus look the same. The like the loading screen tips look the same. Creating your character yeah. is the same process. Like I always assumed it was by those same people, but it was like different. It felt different, yeah. It's basically a different Dark Souls game. Yeah. Which I think he feels more than me, like, oh it's a Dark Souls game, then I have to complete it. You know, like he feels this sense of I've beat all the other <laughs> yeah, ones, I, I have that. to get this one under my belt. Oh yeah, I'll fucking do it then. I'll add it to my uh add it to my completed that hundred percent poll. Yeah, yeah, and there is co-op in it, so I think him playing at the same time as me, we're discovering the game together, will make it more interesting for me. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good shout. Yeah, so I've played that, and the last thing I want to talk about is Magic: The Gathering Arena. Dave, how do you feel about cards um, um, on a computer screen? Do you know what? Yeah, it's become. I remember playing when I was about fourteen. It was a Yu-Gi-Oh PlayStation Two game. Okay. I think it was called like Enter the Shadow Realm or something. <laughs> that sounds like a Yu-Gi-Oh game to me. It was like proper cheese. Yeah. Um, but it was honestly one of the best Yu-Gi-Oh like computer simulators that you could get. Uh-huh. Where it kind of because Yu-Gi-Oh was one of those games that I never understood the rules or how it would actually play out as a card game. Because obviously back then YouTube wasn't really full of fucking card competitions right. so you couldn't really see how it would work but then this like literally this battle simulator would just show you exactly how the card like the people would like draw the cards and then it would just be like I've got the dark magician card and then like those two cards in front of it would like sacrifice and then it would spawn and stuff like that and right. yeah I really enjoyed playing it uh, but since then haven't picked one up but I know that there's loads of like um there's loads of Magic the Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh and even like D&D and even card games like Uno for fuck's sake are now like on the PC so yes. yeah I don't see it as a bad thing basically, I think the premise is the same isn't it yeah basically Hearthstone came out and then all the other card games were like oh fuck why didn't we do this bollocks <laughs> we should have fucking done this years ago <laughs> they all scrambled for it Yu-Gi-Oh um, scrambled and they came out with their thing like a year ago and it's like Yu-Gi-Oh, but you only have three uh, monster slots, three spell yeah. and trap slots, and it's like very yeah, simplified, smaller decks. Um, yeah. They went a different way with it, whereas Magic the Gathering, it's just you're playing Magic the Gathering on the PC. Um, it's very quick, very easy. The rules of Magic the Gathering are obviously like simply complex, um, so there's a lot of depth mm. to it, but what I find is 
Magic the Gathering can get fucking insane with the crazy combos they allow you to do. The, because the PC is doing it sort of all for you, it's like if you spend 20 mana, which would be insane, to make like 20 tokens, if you were playing yeah. it on a table, you'd have to find things to make the tokens and then like when you're blocking, you'd have to figure it all out manually. But when you're on a PC, you just say like, right, I want to block this thing with 10 tokens, this with two. I want to use this combat trick on this and do this and that. And it just figures it all out for just you. It speeds it up, doesn't it? Because the computer's doing the math and exactly. organizing the cards for you. You don't have to sit there and just like shuffle through your deck to find that card that you know exists and that card that you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it, it takes this game that was previously, if anybody saw you playing Magic the Gathering, they'd be like, that looks completely inaccessible. There's no way anyone could ever like get into yeah. that. It takes that and it just says, "No, no, we'll we'll do all the hard bits for you now. Just focus us on the strategy and yeah, the fun the of making a deck. The Find out yeah. what you like to play and all this stuff. And it's it's free. It's in beta right now. Um, it's got really good progression, which is what originally got me interested because I downloaded it thinking oh, I'll give it a try. So it starts you off with like a deck and then." If you win with that deck, it gives you a new deck, and then you come back the next day, and there's a new quest where if you win, you get a brand new deck. And these decks are, you know, there's sixty decent, cards in a not deck. Filler cards, yeah. So you're getting a shit ton of new cards, and you can put those cards however you want. If like, say, I don't remember if it's this exact order, but say the first day you start off with a green deck, all the creatures in it are green. Then the next day you win a red deck. So you get a whole 60 card deck full of red creatures. If you want, you can make your own deck that's green and red. Just mix the yeah, two. Yeah, take your favorite bits of each. Then the next day you'll win a white deck. And then you get 60 cards worth of a white deck where it's like lifelink and regaining your health. And maybe you want to combine that with the green, which is get big characters out. And like, yeah. Within a few days of these like daily quests, and you're earning a brand new deck each time, you just have so many while. options. No, yeah, you want to come back and do it again. Yeah, whereas, so I've played Hearthstone a decent amount in the past. I can go in Hearthstone now and be like, I have no fucking cards. I got yeah. fucking nothing here to make a deck with. Like, it, whereas, like, I go on Magic the Gathering Arena after playing it for a few days, and I'm like, I almost have too many options. I don't even know what to do with myself. Uh, So I've been playing it for like a month now. Really into it. Really enjoying it. There's a ton of really good Magic the Gathering YouTubers. So there's all that going for it. Um, It's a game that's only getting more and more popular as well. Like Twitch numbers are going up. Oh, that's good. Um, The company... um, I forget what the company's called. Um, Wizards of the Coast. They yeah. announced at the Game Awards that they were doing like $10 million worth of esports over the 2019 to do oh, with Magic good. the Gathering Arena. So it's like, that game's only going from strength to strength. And they're releasing a new expansion this week, which I'm really excited about. So, But like I said, like, you know, for me, one of my favorite pastimes is watching people who are good at games play games, which I don't have access to. Right. Or that I don't have the time to get good at. Yeah. So, again, Resident Evil, any horror game, any card game, any fighting game. Mm-hmm. You know, these are games in which I wouldn't necessarily want to spend £60 on, say, if it's Metal, uh, if it's Mortal Kombat or if it's Street Fighter. But I do enjoy and appreciate the strategy and watching someone go head to head. I enjoy that. Yeah. So I will watch that. I will watch that on YouTube. 
that looks good. Again, Magic the Gathering. Sounds like something that I'd love to watch and get into and understand. So if they're going, yeah, we'll do some esports on that, I'm like, I'm all for it. Show me where the link is. Like, let, sh- Tell me an actual time. Because I think <laughs> the issues with uh, esports at the minute is that there's no, like, web page and, like, universal streaming. Yeah. So on, um, I know that uh, Microsoft, they do it on their, oh, what's it called? Their fucking channel on the Xbox page. Um, they do a lot of the esports, but in, in there's no advertising of when it's going to stream. There's no advertising of when it's actually going to start. So it could stay at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, esports Rocket League, and you're like, yeah. So you click on it, and it will just show esports Rocket League, and it could be there for hours. Right. And then suddenly it'll be like, gong, and it'll just come on. Right. Like at two o'clock in the morning, it would just be like, no, and it would start, and you sit there and be like, but there's no like, there's no information attached to that video clip of right. when it's going to begin. There's no advertising on their website of when the stream's going to start. Uh, and I've tried to even look up like a like a timetable, but none of it actually exists. So it's quite difficult to get a top of it at the minute. Or like they'll give you like contradictory. Um, stream times so it'll be like oh is this Greenwich Mean Time 7 o'clock or is this uh, is this Pacific Time 7 o'clock which means it's it's uh, 2 o'clock in the morning 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> for England and I they're see. like oh I don't know uh, but yeah, <laughs> like I said if they can get some sort of advertised uh, timetable streaming service up and running then I'm all for it I'm there. Well, Magic the Gathering Arena, free. You get free cards just by playing the game. Nice. So I would say if, you, if you've if you ever been interested in stuff like that, give Magic the Gathering Arena a go. I am very impressed with it. I've been playing a lot of it. I'm going to keep playing more. I won't talk about it too much on the show because now you know I play it. I'm going to keep playing it. Then I'll be playing it probably for a long time, so you don't need me keep going on about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's me, Dave. That is me. Perfect. What about you, Dave? What about you? Right, so again, being completing Red Dead Redemption 2, oh, got onto the last ep- I've gotten to the last stages now. Okay. Like I said, about getting to chapter 3 and you start getting into it, getting to say about chapter 5 and then you're, you're in it then. You want to feel the conclusion and it does get better. Like Rockstar starts flexing their muscles again. The the stranger missions and the side missions start showing the strengths and the wackiness of it. Um, everything just starts gelling together but I feel like going, this could have happened hours ago. <laughs> like why did it take so long to get to this point? Once you get to that point, though, it starts becoming such open world. You start getting interested. I start, like I said, the side quests. I start want to do more about that. I start want to read into like, because um, people start leaving your clan. Like I'm, I'm going into like the open world to see if I can see where they are and things like that. Because some people have said that you can actually, you can actually find them on odd stranger missions and things like that. So. But I'm at like the final stages of the game now. It feels like it's actually coming to a close. Um, Good. Red Dead Online came out oh, yeah, in beta. Uh, we played that in a squad of, well, despite the fact it goes oh, up to eight players, you can play with up to eight of your friends in a posse with you. 
Well, there's and there's actually an unlimited amount of people who can be in your posse. You can ride around with, but like most missions, they say can be played with eight people. That's a lie. Most missions, like any Rockstar game, is a four-person mission. Right. Okay. So, um, to its credit, for an online game in beta. To be fair, I don't think a lot's going to change. I hate it when they do this. Oh no, it's in beta. It's not though. This is this is what we're going to get, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the reason I know that is because you've started to get people to pay for microtransactions. What what the fuck are microtransactions doing in a beta? Wait, what can you buy? You can buy. So there's obviously the cash, and then there's the premium currency. Okay. Which are gold bars. Okay. You can buy things directly for gold bars. So, for example, like a hat. Uh, I think right, you can okay. buy. Like, you can buy like a bear hat, like a special item for four gold bars. Now, if you've played uh, Graph of Auto, or if you've got Red Dead, I can't. There's been like a cross on the internet. It's either if you've got a Graph of Auto Five account, or if you bought Red Dead on day one, you get a bonus. Okay. So you get 30 gold bars uh, and some cash. So with the gold bars, you can either sell it, sell the gold bars at a fence for money, or you can buy special items with your gold bars, like, you know, a bear hat, or, you know, like I said, some uh, a nice engraving on your gun. So you sit there and go, right, these are just, this is just cosmetics. None of it really matters. But in a beta, they're already selling these gold bars. You can buy them for real money so that you can sell them at a fence for in-game money. Right. And you sit there and go, this is, this is cheap. But because you can do that, the mission, the missions are good to start with. Um, but the rewards you get for them are really grindy. Okay. So this is set in the early 1900s. Um, if someone gave you, so for a mission, for example, you complete the mission, you're doing some illegal shit, uh, you assassinate someone, for example, you get $30. Wait. And you sit there and go, right, okay. So you get $30, which actually makes sense in the in-game economy. Because $30 now would actually represent roughly about $450. Okay. So you sit there and go, right, that makes sense. If the store where you buy guns and food also represented that inflation, which it doesn't. <laughs> okay. So third, so you have to buy a gun. So the next revolver up from the standard revolver that you get is $500. So it turns into a grindy mess, which means that it's forcing you, kind of, you know, if you want to progress and not get bored, buy these gold bars and sell them, and then you can get out, have enough money to buy that revolver. <laughs> and you're like, oh, great. Um, so that's the negative side of it. Sadly, the side missions are grindy. So there's, at the moment in the bait, there's like four types of side mission. There's the delivery mailman, where obviously he gives you a package, you ride to the destination, you give that package to the person. Oh, that sounds the fun. End. Okay. And then that's the boring one. 
And then there's three okay ones, bearable ones, which you wouldn't mind grinding with friends because they're quite... With friends, you can make them quite fun. So there's a stagecoach mission which either alternates between you're riding a stagecoach which will get robbed or you're robbing a stagecoach. Okay? Either one can be quite interesting. And then there's two different assassination type missions. So it's either go to this gang hideout and kill everyone or hunt and find a person and bring them in alive. Now, those missions, like I said, can be fun. Side missions. Mm -hmm. Okay? And they give you about $15 each time you complete it. So you sit there and go, again, I'm not happy with the fact I've got a grind, but they're not too bad. Sadly, the side missions on stranger missions like you would get in the main story it doesn't designate what the mission will be until you're there what why because obviously that's not realistic uh, Jesus. yeah thank you you're literally just imp- like you know you just embodied my reaction <laughs> what do you think is the most common side mission that you get Gareth uh, is it hunting? No, it's obviously deliver this fucking package. Oh, fuck off, game. Yeah, Everything literally. I hear about this game makes me hate it even more, Dave. Yeah. By the way, I want to be very clear that you need to separate Red Dead Online <laughs> from Red Dead Redemption 2. Okay. I feel like it deserves that much, you know. Red Dead Redemption Online is not Red Dead Redemption 2. This is Rockstar and, you know, what's the name's the big boss's fucking money-hungry nature coming out. Everything's really grindy. When it's the main story missions, for an online game, they're really good. So you've got uh, two different pathways that you can choose. Each mission allows you to choose a different option, which thus allows you to unlock a different mission. They both lead to the same point, but the pathways give you different missions so it does actually feel like your decision impacts the way in which the game's going to play out which is good so for example in the first mission you can either uh, you work for a string of uh, um, or the main premise is you're hired you're broken out of prison hired by this rich woman who wants revenge on her husband Okay. the husband is the person you've been framed for killing Okay. Wait, what? Does that make sense? <laughs> so you're going to prison, you're innocent, but you've been framed from killing, for killing this person, this man. Mm-hmm. Okay? The man that you've been framed, to, that you were framed for killing is this woman's husband. So she breaks you out of prison with your cronies, which happens to be your friends. Okay? And she wants to find the person responsible who actually killed her husband and who subsequently framed you for that murder okay so it's quite interesting you sit there go right i'm going to hunt down and as it always happens there's three there's three people it could be so in the beta you hunt down through these little side missions gain more uh well through these story missions you gain a bit more information you hunt and kill one of them okay that's pretty much the premise Um, if you do it the moral way um, 
you work for a string of chi- uh, police detectives um, stopping a smuggling ring, I think it is. Um, you save some people, you kill some bad guys, you feel good about yourself. If you do it the like bandit way, you work for the police chiefs to begin with, but then they don't like the way you do things. So, for example, they've asked you to bring this guy in alive. Uh, there's always a choice. Are you going to shoot the guy? Are you going to kidnap the guy? Are you going to push him off the cliff, mm-hmm. for example? If you choose all the bad options, for example, push him off a cliff, shoot him in the face with a shotgun, uh, bring a headless body to the police chief, they won't ask you to come back and help them. And therefore, a guy asks you, oh, I've, I've, I've heard that um, the police chiefs don't like your type of justice, but I can use you. And you, you end up going on like this, this very uh, stereotypical, I'm a bad man, I don't want to talk about it story of, uh, I want to get revenge on my cronies. Mm-hmm. So you help, you help this, um, you help this cowboy kill his ex gang members. Okay, so but then it all leads to the same point. You gain the same information, whatever path you choose, and then you end up killing one of the bad guys. Okay. Um, so it's quite fully fleshed out. As an online game, I was impressed that my decisions actually mattered. And I was actually quite shocked to find out that we were completing different story missions on both my account and my brother's account because we decided to choose the binary opposites. Yeah, interesting. Um, so it, it's actually quite good. That being said, like I, um, there's only eight missions so far. What? <laughs> uh, there's only eight story missions in the beta. Oh, uh, it's beta, right. Okay, you just say it's beta okay. and you just get away with... So there's eight story missions in the beta so far, but granted, I have now completed in the beta a third of the main story. Okay. According to the premise that she set up in the start in cutscene. So she says there's three people that could be the people that we want to kill, or there's three people responsible. If I've already killed one of them, and it only took me four missions to get there, um, I can't exactly say it's going to be longer when the missions actually come out. So right. sadly, I feel like the story missions are going to be there. They're going to be good while they lasted. And then you're going to be stuck with these fucking side missions. So at the minute, I'm kind of avoiding it online. I don't think it's worth it. I think it's very grindy. And like it is on Grand Theft Auto, everything just turns into a shit pile as right. everyone tries to shoot at each other. Right. As soon as you go into a town to buy or sell something, someone will be there shooting you before you walk in to the shop because they can. And yeah, that's how it turns out. Is there a compass in Grand Theft Auto? You know, because it's like a mini map in GTA. Oh, I'm trying to think. Is there a compass? Don't know. Does that matter? Well, it's just going know? back, going back to like the realism thing. Like, if you have a overhead mini map in the bottom right of your screen that shows you, I don't know. That would annoy me. Yeah. If it no, I don't. No, I don't think it, I haven't noticed it. Otherwise, okay. I would be ranting about it. Because how would people in town know you were you? You know. Oh, I see what you're saying. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
online they know you know your username turns off above your head okay 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 um yeah and if someone kills you enough you can become rivals and there's a little marker that points towards your rival so technically you can't escape a person if you've shot him too many times right <laughs> okay um but obviously what did they release recently what does every game need nowadays Gareth what sort of mode if it's online well you know what I would want Dave uh, would What's be that? some kind of mode where it's me and then like maybe 99 other people all trying yeah, to kill me exactly yeah in like a designated zone and everyone starts off with a very basic gun or no guns at all and the winner is the person slash team who kills everyone else? Yeah, maybe that zone. Yeah, have to get smaller over time uh, to make sure everyone was. Like, of course, it would have to. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. There's a there's a name for those sort of games. Uh, Fortnite. <sighs> Fortnite. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So, what suits a Red Dead Redemption game more than a Battle Royale mode? <sighs> <sighs> Fucking hell. I haven't played it yet. It was advertised as I turned my Xbox on this morning. <laughs> I turned on Red Dead. I was like, I'm just going to complete it. They went, oh, play our Battle Royale mode. It's free. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> so I'll play it. I'll see how good it is. Um, it might be good because of old-fashioned guns. It might be a bit more balanced than Fortnite and uh, PUBG has become. But um, we'll see. Yeah. But again, sh- fucking shoehorning that one in, aren't they? <laughs> um, another game. So I would strictly unless you are a massive fan of uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 online I would avoid the GT, uh, the the Red Dead online until it's released and I'd only play it if you've got a, a, a gang of four people you want to have fun with like okay. I said the story missions are fun but once we completed the story missions the game just became very empty and there was not there was not enough to occupy yourself um, and I felt that's the same with Grand Theft Auto V, in my honest opinion, uh, the online. Unless you wanted to spend hundreds of actual pounds on shark cards to like get a fucking helicopter and to do things like that, I just felt like the in-game and the open-world mechanics just it, it just made the game feel a bit empty. Okay. But we'll see what happens. Another game that I was playing over the Christmas period and that I teased at the start of this episode was that... Um, little indie titles there was a massive well there was a small flash sale um on the xbox Mm -hmm. over the christmas period where there was like up to 50 percent off these indie titles like inside and um that other one that you keep talking about um you know Uh, (laughs) you know the the spider one um limbo Limbo, yeah, that was on sale. Okay. And there were some other ones like Guacamelee 2 and like little games like that uh, that were coming out. And me and my brother bought Overcooked and Overcooked 2. Okay. Because it was a, it was a on, it was a local slash online. So the first one's local multiplayer only and the second one's lo- uh, online multiplayer. And uh, have you heard of Overcooked? Do I you know have. the premise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's like there's cooking stations and you have to man a station at a time. But there's, yep. from what I hear, it's like there's always one more cooking station than there is players. So you're constantly having to like, yeah, 
run Literally. between the things. And... Yeah. So it's like a puzzle cooking sim. Okay, so these are the worst kitchens you'll ever work in. It comes up like any cooking simulator ever does. Like, obviously, it shows you how to make the thing at the start. It gives you, say, for example, you're making pizzas. It says, um, grab dough, bash the dough on the chopping board, and then you need to add chopped tomatoes and the chopped ingredients. Sounds easy. Okay, chopped tomato, chopped cheese and then whatever ingredients they add. So, for example, the first mission will just be margaritas galore. So you get used to smashing the dough, chopping the, um, you know, chopping the tomatoes, chopping the cheese, putting it all together, putting it onto a cooking plate, cook it, you know, take it off, put it onto a real plate, deliver it, and then washing the dishes, etc. So it's like task management galore. Right. The first kitchen usually is static, which means that everything's, you know, is in the same position where you left it, but there's some sort of obstacle. So there's like a, uh, there's like a treadmill, which is going the opposite way. So you have to keep sprinting, um, to get to the other side of the kitchen or, uh, there's only two plates, but there's four dishes. Okay. So you're always you're constantly washing up dishes, and that's the hindrance. Right. Or there's only one chopping board, and there's a massive void between the two of you. So you have to throw the food to the next person who cooks it, and then throws it back, and then the person plates it, and things like that. So there's like so many different scenarios. So in Overcooked One, there it was a very good game. It was frustrating and challenging to begin with but it was so much fun um and i think it's one of those games which will only get better the more people you play it with mm-hmm. um i would not recommend playing this game single player um <laughs> it's too difficult for that like there's too many jobs to do for one person and i think the game knows that and um because in its advertising spill it says two to four players it never says single player right. <laughs> it never says single player anywhere it says two to four players will play this game it's a multiplayer game so play it with people okay. um, so much fun if you've got co- uh, if you've got people to play it with if you've got uh, and you and you you enjoy shouting at each other you enjoy task managing you enjoy these wacky puzzle kitchens um, and these very challenging tasks actually then I'd fully recommend doing it it's so much fun and as the so like I said so the pizza mission you start off really basic and it's just static and then you move on to the next stage and worktops might move things might disappear um, rats might come from the kitchen and steal food and then you've got to kick the rats and um, <laughs> it's little things like that and you can you get these like the art style is so amazingly creative um, it's like extremely cartoony but all the chefs have their own personalities so and there's loads of chefs that you can unlock um there's like raccoons like penguins there's a hawk there's an eagle and then there's like humans from all different ethnicities and each one has like a variation on their soundtrack so you can get you can shout commands obviously they're not in english they're all gibberish yeah uh but you can swear when something's gone wrong you can cheer when something goes correct and like they don't do anything but they're just funny to do <laughs> like they don't give you a boost or, or anything like that it's just funny just to hear people shout and scream 
um like for example the the eagle actually like cause instead of cheering so and like the the squid is the person i like playing with because he makes like a like a cthulhu sound when he cheers okay it's uh it's like hilarious it sounds like he's underwater but it's like a it's like a hilariously child-friendly game but adults will want to free slash four star everything Mm -hmm. um the achievements for once and i'm always begging like achievements and trophies actually encourage you to play the game differently which is great so, for example, in Overcooked Two, so in Overcooked One, it was um, it was just a two to four player game. Things would move around. You would have, I think, there were five different recipes that you can make, like soup, burger, and then like burritos, etc. Um, but there weren't really many mechanics that they added to the game. Like you could sprint, you could hold things. Um, when you start rushing the hit detection becomes quite difficult. So what I mean by that is by picking objects up and placing them down. And I think that's uh, that's done on purpose. Like, you need to stay calm to do something correctly because mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to fuck up. And, like, sometimes you put the wrong ingredients in the wrong pot and then you need to bin it and start again. And it was really fun to play. But, again, local co-op only. Right. Um, Overcooked 2 just added... And I thought, how are they going to add to a game which, if I'm honest, is already a, it's already great fun. Yeah. Like what you can add to the game mechanic to kind of make it one more challenging and two more entertaining. But by simply adding a throwing mechanic to the game, throwing it just completely changes it. Yeah. So for raw and cooked ingredients, you can throw the ingredients across the kitchen, and then you can also bullseye it into um, into like mixers and into dices as well okay. and it adds that extra mechanic to the game that when you sit there and think because obviously the game gives you a point point um, boundaries for each star and you look at like the third star and you're just like how am I going to free star this mission it's like 1500 points in two minutes and then you realise that when you get good at the game like for example smoothies you throw all of your chopped fruit into the blender and the blender might be the other side of the kitchen. So like you're chopping up the fruit and you literally throw a banana into the blender and it starts mixing and then you throw an apple into it and then you throw an extra banana into it. And then whilst that's mixing, you pick up a cup, run over to the other side of the kitchen. And then by the time you've done that, the, the smoothie's ready. So you pick it up and it's just like time saving mechanics like that, which means that by doing those things, that's how you achieve the third star. If you do it normally, you can only get two stars or very close to the third star. So it's like adding mechanics like that and then little things like um, you go to the beach and instead of washing up your plates in a sink, you have a super soaker instead. Okay. And so start spraying the super soaker onto dirty plates to wash them up quicker. But then it means that the orders come through quicker as well and it's like really... It's really hard to explain as you play it, and it's just endlessly entertaining. So I'd highly recommend it. It's a good laugh as well. We've had, we've only ever played it with two of us, but we were, we would think that the more players you have on it, one, the more manic it will become, but also more fun it will become. Mm-hmm. So I'd highly recommend it. We got it for eight pounds for both of the games. Oh wow! In that sale, 
which was like ridiculously excellent price uh, value for money and also um, Overcooked 2 is recently released they do holiday DLC which is free so they've recently released um, six new levels which are based on winter and you make hot chocolate okay which is great and that was free just six missions for free and it's holiday themed and you unlock a penguin and a snowman as the two new chefs and then they just released their paid DLC which was I think about three quid and that was like 25 new missions for three quid and you get like six new chefs and they're so much fun it literally added about three hours to the game because they're so difficult as well Cool. Like I said, you have to you have to play the mission like two or three times sometimes to get to almost learn some of it by rote and to understand where the shortcuts are and to understand what comes next, etc. So it's really fun to play. Like it's a puzzle game in its core, but the visual style, the way that you do things, like the challenges that you are faced with even little satisfying things like you throw a pizza across across a kitchen and it lands into the oven and you're like yeah <laughs> smashed it if it doesn't uh, land in the oven what like, happens it lands on the floor and you've got to run around pick it up and put it in the oven okay but I'm saying is that like so there's a risk reward there as well some some missions it forces you to throw it so in some missions you're in a um, there's a whole level where you're in the sky as it were and so your the kitchen's literally on air balloons, and so the two players are on two separate kitchens, on two separate air balloons, and you can't touch each other. One person has access to all the ingredients, but the other person has access to all the chopping boards. Right. So, like for example, my brother is throwing me all these ingredients. I have to quickly chop them all and then throw them back at him. But also, like there's like like I said, there's a blender. So he's throwing them at me. I'm chopping them and throwing them straight into the blender and saving time. And it's just things like that. And it makes it so satisfying to play. So I'd highly recommend it. If you can get it, even if it's like a tenner for the double pack, I'd even go as high as like 15 quid and it's still worth it. It's such a good game, which needs to support because if I'm honest, I want more DLC and I want Overcooked 3 to come out. (laughs) Well, you've definitely sold me on... On that, if I find friends one day, I'll might give it a go. You know what? Get an Xbox and you can play with me and Michael. It's fun. Oh, that's it's <laughs> more expensive than I'm willing to spend. But, oh, yeah. come on! Nah, but yeah, no, honestly, it's worth it. Uh, Red Dead Online, not really. Yeah, <laughs> seems like All a right. pretty good note to end on. Yeah. So yeah. I will hopefully by next episode complete Red Dead 2 and then move on to some PlayStation games mainly The Last of Us ooh maybe I'll play The Last of Us as well and then we can have an episode where we talk about The Last of Us ooh that'd be good imagine that imagine imagine us talking about because on this podcast we only ever talk about the most up to date games yeah that's true we are um, what you might call Trenzers. Relevant. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to go and eat a lasagna. Okie dokie. And I'm going to have some. I'm going to go shop and I'm going to buy frozen things and put them in the microwave. You do that. Well. <laughs>
get some frozen Chinese. Oh. Mm. <laughs> That's a guilty pleasure, that is. The, the guilty is the right word. Alright, man. I will see you next okay, episode. Then. And I'll, I'll see you next time. Thank everyone for listening. Have a good rest all. of 2019 if we don't power another episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in December. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.